0: Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's Weekly Sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. How are you guys doing? Awesome. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. Um, my, one of my granddaughters, at our uh, we had a birthday the week before we left, and one of my granddaughters came up to me and she said, Children's Church was so exciting today. It was so fun. I said, oh, really? what you guys learn? She goes, that's... Not really what, what I learned. I had an encounter with God. And I said, really? And she goes, yes. Yes, he spoke to me. And I said, what did he say? And he said, I really like you a lot. And then I said, well, that's awesome. That's, that's just wonderful. And she said, also, someone had a dream And as they told me the dream, I understood what it meant. That's what's going on back there. It's like, it's an amazing uh, children's ministry. We don't just have Bible stories told. and, And we don't just sit back with the kids and just, you know, none of our workers feel like, well, I'm in here for, you know, however long. And I'll just do my Sunday school thing. No, no, no. We see these kids as kingdom movers. Who are going to change their generation and we're preparing them for that so I think it's exciting it's wonderful it's very powerful and we're uh, they're learning arts they're learning from different ministries of the church the speakers are going to be coming in sharing intercessory uh, times and what Sozo means and various other things with them to explain in a, in a child's way you know ch- children's way so they understand and um it's really, man, it's just a blast back there. We, Becky has been doing a good job with that age group back there, Becky Walker. Everyone, Becky, wave your hand. She's, she's like, why are you doing this to me? It's like, because we love you, Becky. We think you're amazing. And um, we're just really, uh, we're really excited. Missy's amazing. She's doing great. We're really excited of the, the good things that are happening back there. I'm excited about the bathroom change as well. I mean, I've, I'll be honest with you, it's like. How many of you women will be glad you have the nice bathrooms back there? You know, we'll get some nice furry toilet seats that you can sit on. Anybody remember those from the 70s? The fur seats? Oh, yeah. Yep. They'll probably come back. They'll probably come back. Shag carpet. Um, I guess, uh, moving right along. Going from the furry toilet seat to... Why am I on toilets again? Go to the stage, stage. yes. uh, The stage looks awesome. Um, This trim, Paul Gosling did a great job on the trim. Sheldon did a great job on the base down there. And we hired a carpet company to come in and do the carpet. And wow, I think it looks great. I like it. I like the change. Worship this morning was amazing. I mean, I'm telling you guys, we really have something really powerful here at this church. It's like, it amazes me when our teams lead and the presence of God just faithfully shows up every week, and we just plug into His presence and just. I don't, I don't know about you, but um, when it comes to worship, I, it's, I, I, I love you guys a lot. You know that. You understand that. But I, I'm not here for you when it's worship time. It's like, it's like. You have your own thing during worship. I'm having mine. It's like whatever, you know. To me, I just feel like it, it, it's the presence of the Lord is so valuable and so important to me. And worship is such a sacred moment in time for me, and it has been for all my Christian life. I've just even playing piano and guitar. I've loved to just sit and just let my heart sing unto the Lord and just love on Him and. I know it's a corporate gathering when we're coming in so I'm not totally closed off to my surroundings obviously. And But I value and need that time that our team gives so faithfully and has for, for years. So I love our worship team. I think they're doing great. It's in the middle of a transition right now but we're going to We're going to transition really well. We've got some exciting things coming. So I I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about being here. Um, It's been 31 years, and I'm still excited. That should be a good thing for any any pastor to say something like that. There's got to be some good things going on, and and I'm just thrilled with you guys. Oh, thanks, Vicki. Thank you so much. Um, In the shower yesterday, I, I get a lot of things that, from heaven in the shower, I don't know why. Maybe because it's warm water that's hitting my head, my shoulders, my neck, and and I just stand there and just oh, was good. And, yeah, I was in the shower yesterday morning, and as I was standing there, I just felt like I heard the Lord say, "How did David encourage himself in Ziklag?" And I went, "How did David encourage himself in Ziklag?" <laughs> So by that time I was out of the shower, and I I, I just began to ponder that question that was in my heart. And if you don't know the story of Ziglag, uh, David uh, David was not yet king, but he was fighting Israel's battles without without Israel's king really even knowing what was happening. He was going behind the scenes um, with his mighty men, and they were winning they were winning property. Before he became king. Because he had a word from the Lord. He had been anointed to be king. But he wasn't king yet. So even though he wasn't in the position of a king. He was acting as a king. Based upon his identity as a king. So they're out fighting battles. And and, uh, they come back to their camp. And all the women and children are gone. The camp has been plundered by an enemy. Kidnapped everybody that was close to David and his men, and David and his men were all tired from doing battle and stuff. And they basically, they basically had lost their patience with David. I I think that's the best way to describe their reaction. And their reaction was basically, "Let's kill him." Now it's really interesting that you got a a guy who's leading them. general, captain, whatever at that point in time, as a king, he's leading them. And they're fighting together. You know, I I don't know about you, but when you fight for something together with people, there's a connection there. It's like you're connected. You're like, there's a purpose for what you're doing this for. And, you know, in those days, back in those days, it was the real swords, real spears that were happening. It wasn't spiritual warfare like we call it today, you know. It was like, you know, you're standing next to your best friend and he's got his sword and you've got your dagger and your sword, and, and all of a sudden you see your friend whop off a head, and, and you just go, nice one, that was a good one, you know, and you're back to <laughs> chopping. <laughs> you get close to people when things like that happen. I mean, I, 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 I felt like, maybe, well, you guys probably don't understand this maybe as thoroughly and well as I do because I was in the military, but in the military I was on a team, and on that team we were really close. We were with each other all the time. I mean, In the barracks, at work, all the time. And you get close when you're fighting for a purpose. So, you know, they come back. Everything's gone. Everything's plundered. His men say, that's it. We're done. Let's kill him. We've had it with David. we followed him faithfully all this time. I I want my wife back. I want my kids back. Let's kill him. He's, he's sent us the wrong way. That's basically what they're saying. He's, he has led us wrongly. He, he took us off into this last battle that we had and left the camp undefended. He has led us wrongly. You see what I'm saying? They're looking for his faults when they think, let's kill him. And they found some of his faults when they think, let's kill him. Because every person, you and me alike, have faults. Right? You have faults, pastor? Yeah. We all do. We all have weaknesses, and we all have strengths. And we lead from those weaknesses, and we lead from those strengths. David's men had had it. They'd seen enough of his weaknesses. They're paying a dear price of sacrifice, and now they've paid the total price of losing everything that was dear to them. So, as they, you know, say, let's kill David, David turns away from his men and encourages himself in the Lord. And this was the question that, that came to me. Is how did David encourage himself? And I'm sorry, this wire is acting weird on me, so I'm trying to... There, that's why it's caught in my collar. I'm fighting with a wire. David turns and he. Spiritual battle, yes. Yes, it's a prophetic act of struggle. David encouraged himself in the Lord, and, and the question came to me how did he do that? And, and you know, um, it is a very good question. And so I, it began a, a little journey in my heart. Begin like this journey, okay. Worship, adoration, I know that. We, have, you know, know David wrote most all the Psalms. And so that was an obvious one. You know, he just begins to worship the Lord. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's how I get a lot of encouragement. I just plug into the Lord. I just start praising and worshiping Him. And it helps me shift my focus off of any dilemma that I'm in or any crisis there might be or anything that's going on. I just begin to worship. You know, there are times I stand in, in my house and look out the window and just start praising God, you know. No matter what my thought life is. Leading me, what road my thought life is leading me down, or no, no, no matter what situation it might be, it could be a good day. It could. There's no such thing as a bad day, but there could be some bad things going wrong in a day. No matter what, I'm just going to plug into the Lord and I'm going to worship and I'm going to love on Him. And so I'm. I'm certain, and I believe this with my whole heart. That that's how David encouraged himself in the Lord. You want me to answer that? Huh? Hello? I almost, I almost felt like giving him a word. <laughs> Answer the phone. I'm going to give him a word. Because I, I got a word for Greg back there. I got a word for you while you're doing announcements. You want to, you want to hear this word that I got for you? You're not losing your mind, bro. Okay. I should have said that earlier while I was all fresh on your memories. But that phone ringing just joggled that in my mind for some reason. Anyway. So I begin to ponder how David encouraged himself because the Lord asked me. So I know the Lord was asking something of me beyond my understanding of how David did this. And so one of the things that came to me was he began to look at where he came from. To all his successes to where he had gone. You remember the story of David. He's, you know, he was basically a little shepherd boy out in the field. When the prophet came in and said, "One of your boys is going to be anointed as the next king," and they brought all the sons. David's dad brought all the sons before, but not David. Left him out in the field, and like Sam is just going, "It's none of these guys." The Lord saying, "It's none of these guys." Do you have another son? Well, we have this guy. He's out in the field, you know. Whatever, and Bob has done an amazing teaching on that to to reveal that it wasn't David's own son, or it was David's son, but it was stepson or whatever, wasn't it? Right, yeah. the mom, he, Look, the the had... Okay, so yeah, which is why he didn't call him. And so David comes up, little boy. Anointed as king of Israel, blows everybody 's mind, blows father 's mind, blows his brother 's mind it, it, they, they go into like what the heck this prophet he is not hitting it right today and so um that's that's basically how david appears that 's the first sign that we see of him in 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 the scriptures and um, he goes through immediate changes. There's things that are happening in his life. There's processes that are going on. He has, to, you know, he has to flee from uh, King Saul because King Saul doesn't like him. He's got to flee from people that are after him for his life. And, and so he's, he's looking at, I believe, to encourage himself, he's looking at his journey. He's like looking at the beginning. How did all this start with me? Where was I? I was a shepherd boy. Watching sheep rejected by my own family, out in the field, attending sheep. Now look at me. I've got all these mighty men, great warriors that are surrounding me, who can do mighty feats in battle more so than I can. They're just amazing, mighty warriors. And we're moving towards the goal. Because someday I am going to be in the position of king. And I... I want that transition to be as smooth as possible. So we've been working at taking territory from our enemies, bit by bit by bit by bit. And he's, he's looking at how the Lord has built him up as a leader and what he's turned into. I, I don't know if I'm clearly explaining this well enough or not, okay? He starts as a boy leading sheep. Sheep. Probably a few goats mixed in there too. But he's a shepherd. That's his lot in life. He's now at a place where he's leading men. And it's all for the kingdom. He's gone through a narrow escape from Saul's spears hurled at him. He's gone from a narrow escape to, uh, you know, uh, wanting to be killed, mistreated, all that kind of stuff. He's, you know, he's already conquered the giant, already took down Goliath. That's a great victory that he's looking at. He's looking at all these uh, victories that God has done in his life to prepare him for this position. And he's, he's turning himself away from the fact that his closest friends now are betraying him and want to kill him. I don't know about you but that's got to be pretty discouraging. I mean, it doesn't say that David turned aside by himself with a couple of his closest friends and encouraged themselves. No one went with him. So, as I pondered this and begin to realize this is how this is how we can encourage ourselves i wanted to bring this message to you because i feel like there are like times in our lives when we're not going to find people around us to really encourage us there are just times when you're going to feel like discouraged and either no one's going to know it, no one's going to pay attention to it, or no one's going to be right there to encourage you. You know, you might find that there are some people that you, you really want them to be your encourager. You really want them to be helping you out, you know. And you, you open up to them and say, man, I'm just really discouraged right now. And you, you open up to them and they just say, really? I'll pray for you. And you know they're probably not going to pray for you. But you you got this what David did was built on an identity that he had with God to where he basically just said Even though no none can encourage me, I will encourage myself. Now I'm going to be a little vulnerable. I'm learning that vulnerability is a good thing. We've been studying vulnerability yesterday. We had our leaders gathered together, and we did a teaching on vulnerability. And and so we're learning that vulnerability is a good thing. So I'm just going to be a little bit vulnerable. Okay, 31 years that we've uh, done this as church. We had a honeymoon period for the first five years, by the way. Honeymoon period of starting this church was a honeymoon period of excitement. It was just like really fun... We had volunteers galore, everybody wanted to help. you know we didn't have to like say, "Would you mind helping with this?" you know And then we would have uh, designated set up teams for the church, you know they um, they would uh, keep the pulpit at their home for an entire week and then drive it in on Sunday morning to set it up and set the sound system up and set up all the chairs and and it, it was just an exciting time, five years, just exciting, exciting exciting. and then, well. Gosh, then I, it didn't get too exciting for me because um, people didn't like me after a period. I don't know why people didn't like me. I really don't. I thought I was a pretty likable guy, but some people just didn't like what I was teaching. They didn't like what I was preaching. Um, we had people uh, pulling their Bibles out, saying I was a false prophet and a false teacher and and saying that I was a, a, a um, neocomancer. I talked with the dead. Um, all this stuff started coming out, and I'm like going, what? And it was crazy for me. I I felt like the honeymoon has ended now, and uh, they they weren't coming to me to bravely communicate through issues that they had with me, maybe of my teaching or various other things. They were coming to me to just basically say, you're whacked out of your mind, and we're done with this place. We're gone. Okay, so this is, I told you, I want to be vulnerable. This was a long time ago, but it wasn't an isolated incident. And so in the vulnerability of of my life, a lot of times pastoring really sucks. Leading can suck. There are times when you're making decisions and you're doing things based on the impression of your heart and you're moving forward and people aren't going to like the change. They're not going to like the decisions that you're making. And instead of like coming to you and talking to you about it, they keep that hurt and all those things going on in their head and are afraid to communicate. Now, I can understand why you'd be afraid to communicate to me. I, I get that. I'm a, I'm a pretty rough guy. And um, Confrontation is not my high point. I, you know, I'm a. I feel like my decisions are good. I'm. i My personality is that I'm. I'm like, I'm like a, an eight on the M M&M and M scale or whatever they call that thing. I don't even, You know, it's like, M and M. and so, it's like in my world. I'm right. And so that makes it hard for people to approach. Why am I here? Oh, yeah, David encouraging himself. That's right. There are times when a decision gets made, and it might seem wrong, and people might not like it. But please, I hope none of you decide to kill me. I'd rather have you leave than do that. (laughs) But I'd rather also, at the same time, open up the possibility and open up your hearts to the idea that if there's something that's bothering you about me or about the team or about this church, why not talk to preserve the relationship so that you get the stuff out of the way that's blocking connection. There, I, I'm going to say something right now, and it's not to degrade culture, because I, I really do want to honor culture. Not this culture here in this house. That, that we've gotten honor really well down for years that we've been doing it. We've, we've discovered honor is more powerful than dishonor. But I feel like our culture today in, in, in the world, in the system in the world is that they've lost the ability to connect with their hearts because they're stuck on words that get said and spoken. I I, speak a lot. I think I've spoken Thousands of times at this point from 1988 to the point we stand now. I've spoken a lot. I've used a lot of words. I've said a lot of words. I've communicated a lot of words. And I, I'm like, you know, I'm at, well, my words are right. I know where I'm going. Boom. You know, it's like that. And it's like, you guys sit out there and you hear things. And you're like, hear me like, well, that sounds a little off to me. You know, or well, I don't. Well, I don't think I can agree with that. Because that's how communication works. This happens even in our marriages with the closest relations. We communicate something and someone else is hearing it a different way. Right? Right or wrong? Are you guys out there? I'm just being vulnerable. Okay. So it's like, that's a reality. That's a real thing. You might be hearing something said and you might be connecting to that in a different way. We learned this even with children a long time ago. If parents go home and sit around and discuss the pastor's sermon around the table with their kids and they're dissecting that sermon and it turns you know it turns like well he shouldn't have said that or something like that your kids are sitting at that table you know what they hear there's something wrong with that church there's something wrong with that pastor and if that continues on they're going to disconnect from church they're not going to want anything to do with church they're they're going to disconnect from the pastor they're going to disconnect from leaders They're just not going to want to be there because they've heard something on their level. It's not where your heart was as parents. You're just wanting to discuss the things that that are are said. But kids hear that on their level and they bring it to a a, a different conclusion than what yours is. You have a conclusion of tolerance. They don't. It's black and white. I hope you I hope you guys aren't following me with I I hope I'm not doing a solo conversation today. I hope you're really tracking with me here because we're we're wanting to build something in this community that's real. It's honest. It's truthful. It honors and values others. We for for myself, I I love valuing people. I, I, I love it. Bob and Lori love valuing people. Lynn loves valuing people. We love to put value on people. We don't look for people's junk. We look for the treasure. And that's the culture that we want to build here. And, and some of you, I know that some of you, this is like, why is he even saying this? Because I don't have an issue with them. I don't. And I'm not even saying this if you do have an issue with me or if you don't have an issue with me. What I'm saying is this. Please, if you have an issue with me, talk to Bob. He listens way better. He's, he's not afraid of feedback. I, I don't mean that i i I have to learn that part of my personality a weakness of mine is not getting feedback so i 'm inviting you for feedback that 's what i 'm doing now i don 't want to be bombarded with a hundred <laughs> messages this week um, but i 'm just saying that let's can we just do something here let 's just pull off the stigma that i 'm always right about everything because that 's kind of like how I present myself i 'm always right about everything let 's just pull that stigma off and let 's just Let's just say, let's just assume that I may have missed it on a couple things. Couple. Let's just assume this, okay? What will you as a person do with that? Who will you go to with that? Unless you go directly to the source, you will never solve the issue. It will stay in your heart and your mind and every waking moment, that issue is going to be nagging and gnawing at you. And if you haven't learned brave communication to um, preserve the relationships, then the only kind of communication you're going to resort to is, I'm done, I'm out, I'm gone. And we don't want that. I look out on this amazing audience today and I don't want any of you leaving. I'm also at the same time not going to go running after you if you do. But I'm going to be honest. I I don't want any of you leaving. I think we've got an amazing thing. If we can have a group together, worship the Lord, and have such unity and harmony and the presence of God shows up because he sits enthroned on the praises of his people, if we can have those kind of meetings, then we've got some very valuable good people in this place. And they're not all like me, and they're not all like Bob and Lori, and they're not all like my wife. There's a of us. It's like some of your hands, fingers, hair, nails. I, I'm jealous of the hair people, but you got good hair, you got good feet, you know, here. There the body consists of many members and many parts. And the heart of this leadership, the heart of me, the heart of my wife, the heart of this leadership. Is to function together as a community that actually likes each other. Now, Steve Backlin in his book talks about he talks about relationships, and he says there's three phases. There's the first phase; it's the excitement phase. You meet someone, you're excited to meet them. It's so oh, you know. Let's say that's the dating phase or whatever. You know, it's like oh, you know, this place. I've been looking for a place like this for my whole life. I'm so glad I found this place. And then you're here for a while, and then you say, oh, that's, uh-huh. that's a little different, you know. And, ah, does anybody really even notice me? I mean, anybody even think I'm here? If I, if I miss a week, will they miss me? So you miss a week, and you find out nobody said anything. I... Okay? So what happens is you start entertaining some things, and, and you start going through a disappointment phase. The second phase of a relationship, where you bump into the reality. Really, it's like reality. Now, maybe some of you who have been married for 20 years, you're still in the dating stage and just, oh, this is so exciting. But, I don't know. You at least have had a couple bumps of disappointment in the road. right? Men don't answer. <laughs> Women only, right? Right. So there's been some disappointments. There's been some, some things going on in the relationship. And so what ends up happening is if 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 you continue to let that sever and vest inside your heart, it builds a wall and, and a division, and you, you start losing intimacy together, and you start losing things together. And and it starts missing. And until there's some communication, until there's a gathering of, of let's, you know, can we talk about this? this is, I really feel like this has really hurt me. I, I feel bothered by this. Can we talk about this? And you, you talk about it. Why are you talking about it? Why are you communicating about it? You're opening up communication not to start a fight, not to start an argument, but the goal should be to preserve the relationship, which is how you grow. It's how you grow. Communicating to preserve a relationship causes a relationship to grow. Disappointment without communication severs a relationship and causes it to end. Not rocket science, right? So, David, (laughs) David has got an issue now. He's Hit the discouragement level of his friends. I mean, he this guy has got to be discouraged. He is like sinking fast. They're going to kill him. That's not that's not encouraging news. All right. In, in case anybody's out there, maybe some of you say, "Well, it'd be nice some me, I go to heaven." But that's not was was on David's mind. His thing was his identity as a king. He's going to the throne is ne- his next point, and now they're going to kill him. And uh, like this guy, he. He's not like a rock, okay? David isn't like a solid rock, non-emotional, stoic, you know. You guys don't like me? Tough beans, man. Too bad for you. This is what you got, baby. He's not like this. This had to hurt him. He had to, the word says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He had to turn aside to the Lord for encouragement. He had to go somewhere to ease the pain of his heart, that woundedness. All right. He didn't stay there. He turned back to his men. And you know what he did when he turned back to his men? He said, let's go after the wife and the kids. What did he do? He communicated to keep the relationship intact. This is what he could have done as a king. I'm done with these turkeys. These guys are jerks. Yeah, we've been together for a long time, but I don't care. This is ridiculous. They want to kill me? He could have gotten angry. There there could have been all kinds of things that he could have reacted to. What's he do? He encourages himself in the Lord. I have a feeling he's like, look at where you come from, David. Look at where you are right now. Oh, yeah. And by the way, David, look at the throne. Look at what you've been anointed into. Look how God is on your life. Look how he's walking with you and is in you and has brought you all these victories. Look at that, David. Not that these guys want to kill you. And he successfully did it. He turned to his men and he said, okay, let's go get our wife and our kids. And off they went. And you know the rest of the story if you've read it. They successfully do that. And everybody's happy again. Because somebody communicated to preserve the relationship. How do you think he worked through that? I mean, it's a story that we read, right? I mean, we read it. We've read it multiple times maybe, and we we read that story. But have we disconnected his emotional heart from this? I mean, he's turning back to tell these guys, let's go get our wife and kids back. The same guys that wanted to kill him. How is he dealing with this? He's not entertaining rejection. He's not looking at the fact they just rejected him and now want to kill him. He's not looking at severing anything in the relationship. He is going to actually communicate to these guys. And how that communication went down, I don't know. He could have said something like this You know what? You guys have every right to be upset with me, I understand your feelings. I really get your feelings, you know, you, you guys just don't like me, I get that, you know, I, re- I really get it, you know, it's like, you know, I, sometimes I don't like myself. <laughs> I don't know how he communicated that, but there was a communication. It wasn't just like, let's go get our wife and kids. I think he had to work through some stuff. Maybe he said something like this, what are the other reasons you guys want to kill me? Are there any other reasons? Anything I should know about? Maybe you've been entertaining some things for a long time here. Maybe you wanting to kill me is a boiling point because there's been so much stuff stewing in your heart. Community. Community. Preserving relationship. Understanding your identity. And your place. And how you fit in. Looking looking at. The kingdom of God. Looking at your destiny. Looking at your inheritance. Looking at your identity. Looking at. Who you are. And the. Abundant grace. That God has poured. Upon your life. Maybe maybe David began to count his blessings. I I don't know. Maybe maybe there was like this communication to them. Hey guys, hey, I know you're really, you know, mad right now. I know you're really upset, but you just think about this for a minute, okay? Think think about all the battles we've won together. Think about because you know sometimes in the middle of junk that's going on, you lose sight of all the testimonies. Anybody here besides myself notice that? You you start to lose sight of the wonder of what has happened. So I personally feel like there's a need for us as a community to understand each other, grow closer, to the Lord, grow closer to one another. Become a community of helping. A community where we work together to help each other out, where there's if there's a need, then the need gets filled. If there's if there's a call, then the call gets answered. A community This is really what we are and who we are. And if we're going to do community right, let's do it right. I think we've been doing community pretty good. I I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been doing community pretty good. I feel like I've been pretty good. I feel like I've been a good leader. But I'm quite aware of my weaknesses and I'm becoming more and more aware. I, I started doing some self seeking over the last few weeks. And as I started doing some self seeking, I started getting discouraged. Oh, yeah, I started seeing some of my weaknesses going. And, you know, I really just started saying, Boy, you are such an idiot. How can anybody even like you? Because that's what navel gazing will always end up getting you. You just start looking inward at yourself and all your junk. You'll always end up with the final result you're a jerk. <laughs> I mean, you've got to balance the component out. You you have to also look at your strengths. Of who you are. Man, there's some of you out there, you're so compassionate and loving. And you if, if you even hear someone talk about how hurt they are, you're all over them. Arms and loves and hugs and kisses and prayers and encouragement. Wow! That's amazing. Yeah, I look at some of you who've been around here for... Over 25 years. And I, I see how you interact with people in your own towns, in your own communities. You, you hear a need of a neighbor whose son, daughter got some kind of disease or sick or something. And, and you reach out to our intercessors in our prayer team and say, could you please pray for my, my neighbors? They're, they just got some bad news in their family. Amazing. That's amazing. That's caring. That's compassion. That's moving things forward. That's taking an active role. That, you know what, I believe in prayer, and I believe prayer works. I'm going to reach out to my church and have them pray for this family. That's an active role. It spreads out across the board. I look out, I see people that are just like gifted, amazing. Amazing giftings in this house. Some of you can teach, amazing teachers. Probably some of you can preach. I don't know. Maybe you practice on your kids at home, your husband or your wife. You know, or you know, maybe you maybe you preach to the trees in your backyard. I, I but there's a gifting. That you have prophetic people. We've got prophetic people. I look out and see in this crowd. Oh my gosh, I see prophetic people. We've got prophetic people that can read your mail, not in a scary way, in a good way. Intercessors, man, we got people praying for you guys all the time. We've got a, we've got a group of intercessors that so faithfully gather together to pray for you guys. And if you think it's just once a week, you're wrong they're praying for your families they're praying for your children they're praying for your marriages they're praying for the the unity in church they're they're interceding heaven on you know they're calling forth heaven to come here to earth heaven to earth heaven to earth heaven to earth, heaven to earth. this is a great community we're not perfect We can grow, and we are. We're all stretching like the elastic person. We're all growing. We're all stretching. We're all learning. We're all coming together. We're all saying, you know what? We identify. We identify together as a people of God who he calls sons of God, who have given us an identity to be people who bring heaven to earth. We are moving forward. In that, as a community together. So the the moral of this story: don't kill each other. Uh, don't turn your back on each other. Communicate through the process. How could David Mins have, have? How could they have communicated bravely to David? Why didn't they communicate bravely to David before that point? Why didn't they come to him and say, "You know what, David? We're, we're tired, man." We've been fighting these wars for you for a long time. We're really getting exhausted. This is tough work. Why couldn't they do that? Probably because he was a lot like me. An eight. We have a vision. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And God help anyone who tries to step in the way. Possibly, maybe, question mark. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying, could it have been that? But whatever it was, on their part, I don't think they really let go of what they were holding in their hearts. They kept it inside until it did hit that boiling point to where they finally said, let's just kill him. We're done with this. So we invite you into our family to be a community, to be real, to recognize that there there may be some imperfections, Yeah, oh yeah, there may be some weaknesses, oh yeah, 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 but there are some really valuable strengths and God is on the move. And the testimonies we hear are incredible. Steve Backham pulled me aside uh, while we were at Leadership Advance or conference. He pulled me aside and he said, your region, Daryl, is pumped for the miraculous. He said, "I, I get testimonies coming out of your region where miracles are happening left and right. And I just went, yes. Let's all stand together. I didn't even get into Nehemiah. (laughs) I had him in my notes. look at the person next to you and say i love you father i want to thank you for this house i thank you for the people that are here i thank you so much father that oh we have captured your heart that you see our value you see us as treasures as dearly loved I thank you Father that there is no weapon formed against us that can prosper everything that rises against us will fail I pray for wisdom in each of us to grow, to develop together, to communicate in honesty and transparency, to take, just take the risk and be vulnerable and just do that. Father, I, I pray for this house. There's so much promise to us. And we look at that and we say thank you. Now, could you just express to the Lord right now your thanksgiving and praise to him? Could you just begin to just bless him? Look at some things in your life and just begin to be thankful for those things. Thank you, Father. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the ability to love and to care and to reach into each other's lives. Bless this house in Jesus' name.